The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side Studies. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I'm uh, Rick the Rickening Carter. And to my right, we got Rick the Jelly Welch. The Jelly. <laughs> I like it. The Welch is jelly rickening. only, sucker. Uh, yeah. like, sounds like a Dick Tracy character. I'm a smuckers kind of guy. <laughs> uh, it, actually, I make my own jelly. I gotcha. And across from me, we have Sarita, the hey. Edge, Edgerton. Hola. And behind the glass, always the dedicated Andy Bishop. Kapow. Nice. Ah, uh, you just said Kapow. Kapow. There's going to have a meeting that later. <laughs> oh. Good. You'll see. Oh, did I just accidentally <laughs> you did a thing. do foreshadow? You did a self-fulfilling prophetic move. Oh, my gosh. Foreshadow. Go. All right, guys. We're back again for another side study. Um, if you've uh, been listening to our side studies, that uh, there's a couple that, that uh, Sarita done. Uh, hopefully, you, as a dedicated listener, you've been listening to them. We kind of foreshadowed this uh, podcast of I was pretty excited during one of her episodes or both episodes about this discussion. This side study for me has been on my heart for quite some time. Um, it kind of started with me when I was a Sunday school teacher at a local church back in Columbia. Uh, I did a lesson on this particular chapter, and uh, the chapter is, is uh, the discussion with Mr. Nicodemus. It's uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. And when I did the, the lesson that day on that particular chapter, even though I did it and I was done with it, it, in my spirit, I wasn't done. There just wasn't something right about it for me. Um, eventually, listening to a um, somebody that you'll probably hear uh, or you've already heard, um, a guy named Mr. Lynn Hiles, we did a, uh, That's right. yeah. we did a podcast with him, um, and you should have heard that by now. Um, not yet. There was something that he told, might, yeah. he yeah. mentioned in that uh, to, in a sermon that I was listening to him that really spun this whole conversation off and got me going down a particular path. And when Rick mentioned to me some time ago about doing side studies, um, this was kind of one of the ones that I really wanted to start on. Except for the fact that one you probably you should have heard already, the one that we just did about Adam from me, um, that one kind of took precedence over this one till I could get through it. So, you know, this one kind of here hopefully is not necessarily my will be my coup de grave of side studies, mm -hmm. but this one's really I've been I really want to put something into this one. So, I said I might ask this question a lot of you when I ask it about how long how long have you heard or read these verses anyone's in particular. It may become repetitive, which I promise is a good thing. I hope that as a part of bringing you side studies is to give you a perspective of verses or text that you might be able to look at from a different way you haven't before. Also to show my work for you to see it in that way. So with that being said, let's look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Have you ever heard of Batman? I feel certain you have. Based on your age, you may have a particular favorite version of the character, being that there are so many to date. Whether you... Nice. Nice. Pow! Yeah, and that's... A, that's that's the, less than two seconds, and we can get away with that. And that's yep. a good one. Yes. Whether you're a fan of the TV series that starred the late great actor Adam West, which was just played for you, yep. or the newer version that was played by Christian Bale... Bale was one of my favorite versions, along with Mike, Michael Keaton. Full just, I liked him. Like, have I you guys seen the new Robert Pattinson one though? That one no. was actually really good. I liked it. I've heard he's, that was good. Truly, I haven't seen he's, it. He's actually fits better with what you're describing yes. here. Actually, yes. Well, 
funny. You should say we, my kids like, mom, turn it to MTV. They actually had, I love the eighties videos, your little <laughs> show videos. And I turned it on and it was the Prince. Oh yeah. Bat Batman. Dance. Bat, Bat dance. dance. Yeah. Oh, I had Bat forgotten dance. how. That was a great song. Incredibly talented. He played every character. Do y'all realize that? Yes. They were all Prince. I don't know that I remember that from way back in the day. Like, I remember the song. I remember the video. Wow. But I never re- re- realized that he was every person that's, in the I video. I don't remember that. I mean, I know he played every instrument I mean, on it. I mean, except for the ladies dancing. The yes. But he was like, literally every, I mean, it was so cool. I had forgotten how cool the Michael Keaton version was. Prince was, Prince was the. Um, Vicky Vale. Uh, Vale. Andy, what's that device that um, that they record on and they loop it? Is it a loop back box? I, I mean, that they play an instrument on, record it, and you then mean they just could. A tape machine? I mean, there's a it's looper. A digital, it's a looper, but yeah, I think a digital. Yeah, it wouldn't one. have been digi- a digital looper when Prince was doing Not it. It would have been no, something. No, that's else. what I meant. He yeah. was, Prince was the pioneer to stuff like that because he did every all of it. It's very All cool. by himself. Anyway, full disclosure, I saw that the other day. I was like, yeah. Nice. So, <clears throat> tracking back on this one. So not to get sidetracked with Batman, of course. However, the principal core of Batman. The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer to your question is yes, I've heard of Batman. Yes, you heard of him? You sure? I have. No, okay. Once or twice. Right. Once yeah, or twice. Just a couple times. Cool. <laughs> However, the principal core of Batman was in all different versions, they were all the same. He was a detective using all available means to solve a crime or mystery. Part of the storytelling of the show or movie was presented in this way. The good guy was caught by the bad guy. The bad guy tells the good guy the whole plot of the crime because he feels he has all control and the ability to keep the one person that could stop his plans from actually stopping him. Well, how does it, how does that work out for the bad guy for the plot of the story? Not too good. It would be such a short story or movie if it did. So how does this, anything this tie into John chapter three, let's get into this. As much as we study the Bible, we know how the story of Jesus goes. You should be able to flip through the pages of his story in your mind as if it were a comic book and see the pictures on the pages and know what's going on. From his birth to his miracles, his death, burial, and resurrection without even reading a word. So is it possible that chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, is the full plot of Jesus spoken at the beginning of John's book? This plot is not spoken of in any way in the other synoptic Gospels. However, this conversation is between two of the most interesting people at the time it happens. It's like having the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in the same room together at the same time, discussing how things have been and what's coming up. Kind of mind-blowing for me. Yeah, it's really, I like the way you put that. The Old Covenant and New Covenant in the same room. I mean, it's so true. Again, with more analogies. It's like having a room of five generations of family members to take one photograph. Mm-hmm. So how does this all tie together, do you think? Do you think it how it could tie up, maybe? I don't really understand your question. What do you mean? I know. Just rephrase that. Tell me what you mean. Well, I mean, when you think of... How does it all tie together? Well, how do you think that, um, based on what you understand of John chapter 3... Is that Greg? That's Greg. No, that's fancy. Oh, in the oh. other room, pitching wow. yourself. That's gotcha. hilarious. She's going to the vet Tuesday. So when you think of John chapter three, most likely, what are you going to go to? Sixteen. Absolutely. That's a big one to pick up on. Yeah. So I mean, can it anything to time together? So let's do flashback time. Eighty-eight miles an hour, everybody. All right. Do you remember the first Burroughs side study that was a three-part series? I do. I bet you do. <laughs> And we've recently talked about it. Is it the Who Wrote the Book of John? I'll mm-hmm. help you find I'll help you out if you don't know. It was Who Wrote the Book of John. Do you remember Oh dang, was, I turned the page. Oh yeah. Do you remember who was the one that was speculated that wrote the book that wrote that book? Hint hint is John Rick Welch's Eliezer. Sing it sing it, Andy. Blame, Blame Lazarus. Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lazarus, right? There was something mentioned about Lazarus and his position connection with a certain community. Could you remember that? Rick pointed out that Lazarus was in the priesthood of the Jewish temple because of the writings of John. It pointed out how Lazarus was able to be in certain areas of the temple to be present during his recorded conversation about Jesus. 
Full disclosure about this book is that I believe that Lazarus is the person that either wrote this book or dictated it to another disciple for it to be written down. The point brought out during the side during that side study pointed it pointed to it, and I agree with it. Also, supporting material is on the Berean Bible Church website on a past sermon by David Curtis. Yes, it is there, and also, and I used those. I used a lot of his notes from that. And uh, if you go to our Patreon page and you become a patron, actually, you can get them for free. You don't have to, have to be a patron. But uh, I've put all my notes on the Patreon page if people want to read it. Sweet. Yep, they're all out there. You can give money so we can get gas. Yeah, <laughs> y'all need money. gas climbing up and up and down this mountain. Welcome to Moe's. Yeah, <laughs> not that kind of gas. I got you. Well, they, that's, they get gas money for the crew, right? That's yeah, the you put are. the tip in and get gas. It's called gas. She money. was talking about a different kind of gas. Yes, she was, was right yeah, about both. Actually. But you can get both there. Yes. Don't be wrong. <laughs> get both there. So my first point in this side study that came to me during this study about the context of this whole conversation. Here we go. I believe that Lazarus knew Nicodemus from his time in the temple. Could have even studied under Nicodemus. One of the things that we're not privy to is when did Jesus and Lazarus meet, or of Lazarus and Nicodemus? Jesus loved Lazarus, but we're not given any background to their relationship. Well, we, also, we can speculate. Ooh, yeah, which is what he's going to do. This is where we're going. Oh, I want to speculate. Goodness. I haven't read. I want to speculate. <laughs> what we also don't really know is what brought Nicodemus to Jesus. Could it have been Lazarus all along? The fact that Nicodemus coming to Jesus during the night hours could have been for the protection of all that were involved in this meeting. Maybe not just covering up Nicodemus's own backside on this one. One thing that we see is that Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi in verse 2. Nicodemus also says we, which I have always considered that was a reference to the temple priests. However, do we ever see anyone else from the temple referring to Jesus in such words? No. No other priest o- ever. Only, only Nicodemus, who is a ruler. He's a part of the Sanhedrin. Yes. but He's yeah. a Pharisee. He's a Pharisee. Could the we refer to the people that were living in that house? Whose home could that conversation have taken place? First, I don't believe that a teacher of Israel, in quotations, would have just gone to anyone's home, let alone speak to such a controversial person. It would have have to have been a home that Nicodemus would have felt safe to be at, even if it was at night. Those guys always wore clothing that stuck out as to who they were. It would be like driving a Ferrari in a trailer park. <laughs> You're not going to miss it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice ride you got there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> then to call him rabbi is such a significant term, especially from Nicodemus. It's like a pilot talking to another pilot. It would have been with great respect for Nicodemus to do so. Again, what we're not privy to is how does Nicodemus know Jesus so well? Also in verse 2, Nick says, that Jesus has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless you were from or you were with him. Did he, being Nicodemus, physically see the signs? If he did, he would have had to been near him or hanging out with Jesus. How would Nick have the time to hang out with a traveling preacher that was preaching to the lowest of people? Plus all the sick and the lame that was that Jesus was healing? I feel Nick would have not been near any of them due to the chance of becoming unclean from one of them. That would have kept Nick from the temple, having to go through all the ceremonies to clean himself, not to mention the blemish it would have put on him with other religious leaders around him. Was it Nicodemus or was it Lazarus all along telling Nicodemus about Jesus? Was he the mediator, the middleman? I know, I know, a lot of speculation here, but this is what side studies are for, remember? Look at looking at it a whole new way. The context this seems to fit so well. Lazarus was the reason for the season. <laughs> yes. Verse three in the conversation has so much weight to it. Being that it's right at the beginning of the written discussion, Jesus tells Nick right off the bat, truly I tell you, 
Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What about verse 2 directs us to Jesus making that statement so soon? Could there be more to this context and we are only given the highlights? I feel there must be. Nothing points to them taking talking about the kingdom of God to start with. Jesus just hits him with it. Now, I have always been told that this verse is referring to a spiritual rebirth. Is that what you've heard? Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you must be born again. And then he goes on to explain it a little bit. But, yeah, that's, what, that's the way I've heard it. There's a particular – I'm going to say on a, a side, we're going to get to it. But there's a particular key word that I'm going to come back to, and it that's in that particular verse that really ties to something that was in that first side study about who wrote the book of John. There was a purpose that the original writer, that was something that he was doing in his side, in in that whole book. Do you remember what he was doing? Hiding himself. Boom. Yeah. He was hiding. He was. And he's hidden from all of the other synoptic gospels. He's never mentioned. Yes. And there's a reason. Well, we believe. There's interesting that Nicodemus is only mentioned in John. Only. Only. That's right. So there may be have been a personal connection, being that he was in a part of the temple, he had a personal connection to him. So Nick's response is a legit one, I feel. How can a rebirth happen? This was not a discussion on the resurrection, or was it? Being resurrected never said that you would be younger in the process or was that even the point? At least nothing in the Old Testament says that. You just continue from where you died. In the verse 4, Nick says, How can anyone be born when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? I can almost see Nick's face with the amount of puzzlement he would have to have on it. It's like a Shakespearean chuckle line. Yeah, it is. What am I to crawl back into the yeah. womb of my yes. mother? Into thou womb of I mean, my mother. You know, Andy, and I, thou mother would say, us, no. Not a chance. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Not at the chance. <laughs> Not at the chance. <laughs> not going back in there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not far off, Andy. It's the joke he's making for sure. It for sounds sure. Shakespearean to me. It does. Yeah. You know, he doesn't even leave the conversation or tear his clothes like other leaders had in the Bible based on Jesus' words. So this must show something about Nick's disposition here, or at least to his state of mind, to still be inquisitive or open to a new perspective. Did Jesus know more about Nicodemus' openness to keep telling Nick what he was going to tell him? There must be more to this than meets the eye. Could it have been Lazarus? Verse 5, Jesus' response is another big one, yet different. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Can you see the difference here? Verse 3 says, You must be born again to see the kingdom. Now he's saying that you must be born of water and Spirit to enter the kingdom. Just seeing the kingdom is not the same as entering the kingdom. Jesus spoke, speaks of both so differently. Where was the kingdom of God to be seen, and how were you to enter that kingdom? Let's look at the words of Jesus for some answers. Sarita, you want to read these verses? Sure. In relation to seeing the kingdom, let's look at a few verses. Matthew four seventeen. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first oops, sorry, but seek let me over. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Matthew twelve twenty eight. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. <clears throat> Luke seventeen twenty. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. Luke seventeen twenty one. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. John 21, 7, the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Rick, you want to follow up? Sure. In relation to entering the kingdom, Matthew seven thirteen, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. 
Matthew 7:14. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Luke 13:24. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able. John 10:9. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Take a moment to rewind this quick and listen to these verses and see if you can hear it. I'll give you a moment. Let's go through where I'm trying to point you to. There are a couple things. Can you see who the kingdom of God is? How about where to enter the kingdom? They are both Jesus. In all those verses, Jesus was referring to himself. Yet he is telling Nicodemus that you cannot see it unless someone is born. Someone, hint, hint, Rick, is born again. There is also a change in perspectives by the writers. Did you hear any difference in the way John was saying? Lazarus has a whole different view. Remember why? It even goes back to the beginning of this book. Lazarus was raised again. Can you see the difference? In the in the first synoptic gospels, there's a different when you can actually read them, there's a difference in in how they write. They're writing about Jesus, but they're not as they're not specific. Mm-hmm. John was deadly specific in who he was writing to. Mm-hmm. The interesting part in John twenty one, when the disciples, after the resurrection and how it happened, the disciples went back to doing what they normally did, and they were fishing. Jesus walks to him up on the shore, and he comes up and he talks to them. Nobody notices, but somebody did. Because the disciple, the disciple loved yep. and who was that? That was Lazarus. That's who I say it is. Lazarus was the one that could see him. Also, the door. If you look at the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they refer to a door, but John's writing is specific. He says that Jesus, because he says, I am the door. Right. There's a completely different narrative in John's book, and I believe it's Lazarus' book. You did a great job in your in your side study that I really wanted to point to, but I couldn't because a lot of the I am statements that you were pointing to in your side study was all in John's. They all came from John. They all came from John. Lazarus was the only one that could truly see who Jesus was. The only reason that he had, why? Because he had been dead and resurrected. He went somewhere that none of us had been and came back. Now I say us, and that's that's a mis, misnomer. At his during his time, he was the only one that had went back and come back. There were other people that had happened, and I'm about to jump a little bit ahead of myself here, but they weren't there for this conversation. And they didn't write anything that we know of. Lazarus was the only one that was writing anything for the purpose of proving who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. So as we continue on. In I said in verse in, in verse six Jesus says, "Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of spirit is spirit." I used to believe this was a continuation of the born again spirituality context. However, I feel that Paul can help us understand some of the meaning here. Paul wrote, wrote in Galatians four about Abraham's two sons. Galatians four twenty three. But the one by the slave, which was Hagar, was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman, Sarah, was born through the promise. Verse 29 says, But as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the Spirit, as also now. With this, we can see that Jesus is telling Nicodemus that there is a major difference in how a person is born. Even Jesus himself was born of the Holy Spirit in Luke one thirty five. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, being Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Also in verse 36, Mary's relative Elizabeth in her old age was going to have a son by the same way. Do you see the possible context here? Can you see it? Yeah, I do. What do you mean? Walk me she in. was going to have yeah. a son walk, walk by the my, same walk way. Walk my dummy brain in here. Jesus, it, it basically in the beginning, is, is telling the book is written. I feel by Lazarus. 
Uh-huh. And it's almost written in a, as we brought out in the last side study, it's almost writ- written in a hidden way. Because Lazarus is trying to write his story, but he's also trying to hide some some factuals in it mm-hmm. that doesn't point to him. Yep. Okay. So that's where this is where some of the I, I feel the confusion of what we're trying to understand of what's written versus what Lazarus is trying to tell. So I think the way that what what Andy's looking for is when he said to walk him in. I, I'm I'm sorry if I missed it. Huh? I'm sorry if I missed it. No, Andy. you're good. Good. No, it's like so. Lazarus, Lazarus is explaining something that only Lazarus could explain because of the experience that Lazarus uh-huh. had, and because what I had said was that Lazarus was obviously connected to the temple, he was able to get into right. the innermost sanctum of the Sanhedrin. He was able to get into King Herod. He was able to all of these places he has access to, which is unusual. Uh, that's why I say it can't be the Apostle John. He did not have access. He was a fisherman. It was impossible. So in, in Acts chapter 4, we learned they didn't even know who John or Peter were. They didn't know them. So they'd heard of these men that were talking about Jesus, but they didn't know them. They saw that they were unlearned fishermen. So Lazarus is a unique person, but he's so yeah. unique that none of the other gospels talk about him. Yeah, he's, he's high and he's educated. He's yeah. high, he's educated, but he's also, because he is high and educated, he has access to the man that Jesus is talking to in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, the mm-hmm. ruler of the Jews. And so Jesus has this opportunity to sit down and talk with this man, Nicodemus, under the cover of night. And we've always been taught because he was trying to hide or whatever. Yep. And, you know, Rick III is not saying that. He's saying maybe it's maybe the meeting is a little different. Maybe it was the safe place for them to meet at night uh-huh. because it was Lazarus's house. This that is computes. where they went. Sure. Yes. That computes. You know, and so it's absolutely possible. That's why least. John is such a different gospel in regard to the other ones. He has seven miracles that are not mentioned. There are no demonic possessions or you know, he says if you see the demons and the spirit of the Lord is coming upon you know, the kingdom of God has come upon you. But you never see any like demon exorcisms in the gospel of John. Like it's different. It's a completely different book. But Lazarus has seen the other side. He's been, he's crossed that that plane of life into death for four days. Mm-hmm. And Jesus brings him back. He's he's a unique individual. And I think I think that what how do I put this? He, he the way that he's actually just driving it home more that Lazarus is the author yeah. of this book. He really believes that. Okay. The other part that I think Lazarus is thinks. fascinating. That's one thing I've learned from extended podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a, and, anyway, and a lot of people don't even believe this. You know, they no, don't. Yeah. They believe I'm it's sure. the Apostle John, the beloved, and that's what you hear. And even the Bible, you know, calls it the Gospel of John. And that's a great. Your question about walking you in is is a great question. And I, I think now I understand why I missed it. I'm coming from a perspective well, of you, learning that you didn't have. You got to remember how little I know. That's right. I often need the Cliff Notes no. version in the middle of an episode. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah. And we've been taught all of the other things that we're trying to unlearn. Yes. Yeah. And so, part of this is coming from, and I know Sarita understands where I'm coming from, because the, maybe some of the stuff I'm coming from. A lot of the things that I used to believe, these verses meant something different to me. No. They, because the narrative was given to you. The nar- yes, the narrative was given to me that this meant something completely different, that it meant a spiritual rebirth, that we're born again, we have to be, because John says so in the book of John, because Jesus told us that we must be born again. Now, Which is true. You have to be born again. What were you trying to say, Sarita? Okay, so I have a question about the end of uh, what you just said about Elizabeth. Um. You said the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I understand that. Mary's relative, Elizabeth, in her old old age was going to have a son the same way? It it was a – because of her old age, the Holy Spirit enabled at birth. She was barren. She was able to have the child, but but he also had the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, which is unusual. There's only two people that that ever happened to. Correct. But I just want to make sure that we're clear that she was impregnated by. No, no, not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, but the Holy. I just want to be sure it was kind of. And some of this may like overshadowed 
not the her yes. womb, no, no. It, but it made it possible. Yes. God made it possible through the Holy Spirit. I get to where you're going now. Okay, yes. perfect. Yes. Good question. Plus, it's a great pro-life scripture yeah. when the well, baby jumps in the womb, well, embryo, fetus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right, now we'll get back to the born again part. It was John the Baptist that leapt in the womb. Yes. Yes, 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 perfect. Uh, With fetus, baby Jesus. Yeah. So in verse 7, Jesus says, Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. Does this verse seem to fit the context of the verse before it and after it? Seems to jump around for a second. Why would Jesus tell him not to be amazed? Was Nick supposed to know something about what Jesus had already said? Paul knew it, writing Galatians. In verse 9 and 10, we see more here. Nick is exactly amazed, saying in verse 9, how can these things be? In which Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? So before I get get too far, let's get back to verse 8, because verses 11 and 12 will help us more here. Verse 8 says, the wind blows where it pleases, you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Man, I hope I'm not losing you here. We're jumping around. However, it's not me. Jesus is telling Nick Nick, that the Holy Spirit could not be seen like the wind. He couldn't possibly know who could be born of the Spirit, which makes this such an amazing statement. Jesus was sitting right in front of him. He was born of the Spirit. Nick couldn't see it at all. It's crazy, right? It's a good way to look at it if you think about it. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit, and Nicodemus did not recognize that. He couldn't see it. But he says, we know that you're a man that comes from God because you couldn't do all of the things that you're doing unless you were from him or with him. He doesn't see him as a... You know, as he the physical Jesus, representation, he didn't, see he didn't see or really Jesus. know who Jesus was, which was almost what I referred to back when we read in the verses about the different, the first synoptic gospels, how they wrote about Jesus and how John wrote about Jesus. They they saw Jesus, but they didn't see Jesus, right? And Jesus or the disciples really figured out who he was when the Holy Spirit came. That's when it really set in to them what who Jesus really was. And versus all the different things, because you mentioned Thomas in the upper room, he touched Jesus, and then he, boom, right then and there, he knew, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So now back to Nick and his amazement. Jesus tells Nick in verse 11, truly I tell you, now if any, anybody's been in church a long time, when he says truly I tell you, he's really meaning something. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But you do not accept our testimony. That's interesting. Who is we here? I was taught that Jesus referring to the disciples. However, none of the other disciples write anything about this stuff to testify about it. Could it be that the we here was actually Jesus and Lazarus? The only two that were possibly in the room that had any experience with being born again AK or reference to the resurrection would be Lazarus and Jesus. The others that Jesus raised from the dead were not there. They were not in the room. This makes a different, the direct example of Luke 1631. But he told them if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded. Even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus already experienced Nick's response, so he knew they would not believe either. The interesting part about this book, and I guess, Sarita, I have to ask kind of a general question. Based on it being in chapter 3 in the book of John, do you think that was in in Jesus' early ministry part, chronologically? I would say chronologically, yes. It feels like it would be because it's so early, right? It feels like, I mean, he's just made this prophetic, you know, for God to love the world, you know, this whole thing. It seems new. Like this is, however, however, and I'm speculating here, and I I was going to wait till the end, but I'm going to jump it in right here. That's fine. What if 
when I guess at twelve years old when Jesus stayed backwards at the t- back at the temple and Mary and Joseph like where were you? He said, "Didn't you know I was in my father's house doing my father's business?" What if he and Nicodemus struck up a f- and Lazarus struck up a friendship there? We're speculating. Oh, it's very possible. Let's speculate. Very let's, possible. Let's, let's speculate all the way out. Let's go. What if they? And so it was such a long way for them to go. What if they stayed with, like the family stayed with Mary and Martha and Bethany and Bethany when they had to come? We don't know what he did other than twelve years old. Do we birth. have any idea what the age difference between uh, Jesus and? Uh, no, not really. No. no. Okay, just if, curious. But I mean, if you look at if he's in the Sanhedrin, though, if you look at the chosen, they're pretty close in age. Yeah, they were like. In the, I mean, that's Who, Lazarus. That's, Lazarus and Lazarus Jesus. And you yeah. actually meet him yeah. there. It's they're very close to the same age. So, but it's I like would they say, were childhood friends. But I would say that they knew each other for quite a while, um, because of the familiarity of Mary and Martha. Women of that time would not have been familiar with men like that. They run up and throw their arms around Jesus. They wash his feet with her hair. Spend all that money that Judas gets all over her about it, the alabaster bottle and whatever. There's a familiarity. They've known him longer than the three years he was doing ministry on the earth. They've I, known him I longer than fair. that. I think that's very I possible. Think, I think Lazarus studied under, under Nicodemus. Possible. This is my speculation. And when Jesus went to the temple at 12, he was probably with him. Maybe as friends, maybe they went, whatever. And when Jesus was preaching, teaching in the synagogue that day, and they had to go back and find him, or how many ever days it was until Mary and Joseph got back. Three days. So, yeah, three days, right? Um, I think Nicodemus saw this young upstart, and he might have even been the one that said, Who is this? He's a kid. We, you know. Yeah, they marveled. They marveled at him. And I think it. Could have been Nicodemus then told, if we go with Lazarus wrote this, Nicodemus told Lazarus what the San, what the Pharisees or the San, Sanhedrin thought that day, and then all the way through. Who, who knows how many times he did it again? He could have done it every time they went back to the temple for because they had to go to Jerusalem so like once a year, right? So it could be that he went back and forth. I don't know. I'm speculating. I hope I didn't. His initial question was, you know, do you think that this was that this was meeting say, was early in the chronological order? I say early ish. But maybe for him more to be able to say in. he's had to have heard because he's seen signs and wonders. We're only yes. in chapter three, but he's already seen a bunch of signs and wonders. He's heard enough about them. Um, we, if he's talking to Lazarus or whomever it was, maybe it was, you know, you know, we know that you are, you know. Someone come from God. I mean, it's a. I, I, let's see where he's going with this, but I, I don't necessarily believe it's too early. I think it might. It might be ish. Not, I think it might not, be later than we think. Not at the three years, but maybe not at the one year. At the one day. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's in his. It's way first past year. the water turning into wine thing. It's it's probably past. Yeah, because that happened in chapter two. Um, it's probably past where he raises the widow's son. Well, because he's seen some kind of power that has made him stop and take notice that he's wanting to meet him in the dark and talk to him and really say, are you the Messiah? I have read about my whole life. Are you this guy? I've seen the signs and wonders. I'm going to say that I agree with you based on my old understanding that if you read the first three books, the first three synoptic gospels. They were written almost in a chronological order. So when you get to the fourth book, which is John, I took the assumption that the things that happened in John were almost in the same way. They were chronologically written. But if you look at verse 11, in order for Jesus to tell Nicodemus, he said, I truly tell you, we speak of what we know. And he's saying we, didn't? he's not saying I. We testify to what we have seen. That's not I. That's a we. But you do not accept our testimony in the you being Nicodemus. So in order for those we's to be included. (laughs) Maybe Lazarus was uh, Thomas's twin. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the conversation happened after after Lazarus was raised again. It had to be later. It wasn't at the beginning. 
And, okay. and the only way that I know that we could do that I'll is... I'll accept that. Okay. The only way that I would be able to accept it is if I could look at what feasts that they had that they were going to, what was happening around the temple. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to get into that, aren't we? I don't know if you do or not, but no, I know I don't. he does something at the temple, which is unusual. Oh, that's good enough to date something with. It does. You date yeah. it. When he does this unusual thing at the temple, when you go back to the other chronological orders of when he did it, it sort of gives you the placement of where he's at in his ministry because he's getting ready to do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He goes into – Well, a, we, we're not – with John's books, I mean, I guess we can find it by looking at the other synoptics, but this conversation in itself is, is just a – not necessarily an anomaly – but based on what you have to dig, what's in it? Mm-hmm. So I I originally thought that it was in the beginning of his ministry, that as he was an upstart young ministry guy starting off, he was you know starting to hit it off. That that's when this conversation happened. But based on that verse eleven, it changes my thinking to to think that it happened after Lazarus was raised again. So verse twelve for me almost act is like the last line in Act 1 before you go to intermission at a performance. Jesus says, if I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? The key word of this statement is what can throw you off the whole trail. The word if. Remember what Jesus said about parables? That if that he was blinding the people with his stories? However, I'm not sure if he's really doing this here with Nicodemus. I feel he was being very serious about what he was saying to him. I believe that everything that Jesus was telling him was about earthly things. He, being Jesus, was the kingdom and the door to the kingdom in the flesh. And he was telling him why he couldn't see it or what it could take or what it would take to see it. Then the second half of the statement kicks in. If Nick had, Nick was so amazed at how how the start or at the start, how would he be able to understand what was coming? Because if he's amazed now, he's he's definitely going to be amazed now. I can completely understand that too. Yet all that Jesus says from this point should not have been a shock to a teacher of Nicodemus's stature. The next nine verses go directly to what Jesus said Nicodemus would possibly have difficulty in understanding. I see Jesus explaining the whole plot like we were in a comic book. The great thing about this one is that Jesus wasn't a villain. However, he was a power to be reckoned with. Jesus begins to reveal himself as the hidden figure that was spoken of so much in the Old Testament. Verse 13 No one has ascended to heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is telling him that he's gone where no man has gone before. That alone could be a possible study. In verses 14 and 15, as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is continuing to reveal himself as the antitype of the Old Testament. He is connecting to the book of Numbers, chapters 21, verses 4 through 9, which is just a six-verse event. Does anybody want to read that real quick? From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people came and became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Thank you, sir. Remember that, Andy? We went through that one before in the past. Yep. The things that happened during this event seem to follow along with what Jesus is saying. The Jews spoke against God and Moses, a man that was a shadow of Jesus. Then judgment was sent against them. However, there was salvation for those that believed. 
Can you see it too? Yet now the salvation this time would come through him. Let us read the rest of this conversation through verse 21. Sarita, you mind reading that if you could? For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Did you hear the connection? between numbers in here. Mm-hmm. The, it was almost a sh- it's like the exodus again when the feeding of the 5000 was explained as a, as another exodus. You can hear you can hear the connection. He says that in just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man should be lifted up. Yes. So that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The connection is similar in that the serpent that's on the pole, they have to look at it in order to not die from the bite. So when the Son of Man is lifted up, they have to look at it so they not die because of the sin. That's the connection. Excellent. So Nicodemus should not whatsoever be amazed by the statements of Jesus. Now, it may be amazed that it's referring to him himself that's going to be raised up instead of another um, uh, what's the word? Another symbol, another entity, but it was actually going to be a person this time. That may have amazed him, but it should ring almost fresh in his ears if he was as studied of a man as he was. Right. Much of this has a natural and spiritual reality. How much more did they talk about that we didn't even get to see? What did Jesus say to Nick about heavenly things, if any? Did they ever talk more than once? We don't know. Jesus and Nicodemus? Yes. No. We don't know? We don't know. It doesn't state it. What we do know is that in John 7, Nicodemus defends Jesus to the chief priests. Another conversation that in first, you must ask who was there so that it could be written about. I feel Lazarus is the best fit due to his connections. Then in John 19, we see Nicodemus aids in the burial of Jesus with 75 pounds of spices, which is normally used in such amounts for royalty and leadership. So how do you feel? And he was with Joseph of Arimathea. So there were other Pharisees and Sadducees who believed Jesus was who he said he was, or at least wanted to. And Joseph of Arimathea steps up and helps as well. So that's at least maybe three if you're counting Lazarus. We're not privy to how many actual religious leaders actually believe Jesus. Sure, and probably any of them that were at the time were trying their, uh, in a lot of cases, to hide that fact. Guilt sure. by association. Yeah. We don't want any of that stuff now, no, do we? yeah, sure. Yeah. I think that if if we use... Much like we did in our Adam study when we read the Bible and we see like, you know, I say that Adam was formed on the third day and everybody, you know, can agree or disagree, whatever. I just, I'm reading it like the Bible says it. I think that that Rick the Third has picked up on something is that the writer of the Gospel of John jumps around. He doesn't stick necessarily to a chronological order. I think that you have to take it within the context of the synoptics. This was the last gospel that was written in time. We know of it. Mark, Matthew, Luke, then John. At best we know, he didn't really want to write one, and he was heavily encouraged to do so. And I think that it's interesting because in John chapter 2, verse 15, he's cleansing the temple. Are you going to get into that here in a little bit, or are we— no, we're closing down. Good. So in John chapter 2, verse 15, he's cleansing the temple. Do you know when Jesus cleanses the temple? Right before he's— right. At the triumphal yes. entry. Yes. Why? What's happening at the triumphal entry? 
Remember, he's riding the, on a donkey. The Synoptic Gospels are not describing the fact that all of the people that were there were there to see Lazarus. In the book of John, it tells you that they're there to see Lazarus, yes. the man who'd been raised from the dead, and that the Pharisees were going to kill him. So it is quite possible, and this is going to be nuts, it is quite possible that the Gospel of John, the writer, if it is Lazarus, that what is happening on this very night is that the good man of the house who owned the house that was in Jerusalem could have been Lazarus or it could have been Nicodemus, but it's on the same night when he's in Jerusalem at the triumphal entry. Wow. I would say that it's very possible that when he's talking to Nicodemus, it's honestly the same night that he's about to have Passover because it is Passover. Wow. Could it? That's when he comes into the city. Wow. Could it have been Joseph of Arimathea's house? It could have been. It's speculative. Very. But I think that the fact that Nicodemus came and that Jesus sent the disciples to this place, they knew who Lazarus was. Lazarus was their friend. They knew him. So let me get – there was something that we you said about being born again, and yes. we referenced these. And I refer to going back to the study of John, where being that Lazarus wrote this book, he did his best to hide himself because he was becoming, just as you stated, so famous that they were wanting to kill him. Not only that, but he's going to be the one that's going to take care of his mother. Yes, right. He's, so, Because it says in the Bible that in the synoptics, all of the other disciples ran away. They fled. But yet the disciple whom Jesus loved was at the foot of the cross. So that makes him a very unique person because you can't have your cake and eat it too. Either the disciples fled or they didn't. Mm -hmm. In other words, the disciple whom Jesus loved wasn't one of the 12. He longed to be with the 12 on that night when he had that last supper Passover. He even says it. I've longed to have this private time with you, Right. But that doesn't mean that that's the only ones that are there because you've got the man with the water pot and the good man of the house. Who owns the house? It's probably Lazarus. Martha owns the other house in Bethany. Lazarus is part of the priest line. He's in Jerusalem. So I think that what's happening is that you're getting a first eyewitness account that's been given to someone else to write. And it could have been the Apostle John, but I doubt it. He didn't write in Koine Greek, like really high Koine Greek. He was a fisherman, guys. Now, maybe he learned it and he got better at it. I don't know. I don't see how. He was on the run all the time, you know, and he technically the Apostle John was watching after the mother. That's not true. He couldn't have been. He was at Ephesus. He was in Ephesus. We know that. Historically, he was in Ephesus. So I think, I think you nailed it. I think that John 3 is nothing more than a story that is giving you the plot line like a comic book. Yes. It's almost like a Quentin Tarantino film. He's using this out as a pulp fiction. He's using this out-of-order discussion, and don't go watch that movie. <laughs> Please, don't watch it. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's an amazing movie. It's a great movie, but just make sure you, if you have it beep all the words, you'll never hear any language. Oh, yeah. It's awful that way. But it, it's like telling a story non-linear. Never seen it. Really? Look at his face. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing movie, but if if a Joe Rogan episode frequently has too much swearing for you, then it might not be your You're thing. You're not going to like no, Quentin yeah. Tarantino, but Quentin Tarantino does a lot of, like in Pulp Fiction, he does non-linear storytelling, which is yeah. what I did in Stillwater. So I don't know yeah. if you guys knew that or not, but it, it was a test of non-linear writing. And I think that the Gospel of John is a non-linear book. That's why people can't rectify it. They think, well, what's going on? In John chapter 2, it's happening really early in the ministry that he's in there, you know, whipping the people in the temple. That doesn't match the other synoptics. Yes, it does. If you put it in its time, then you understand how the author is writing the story. He's telling you much later what's, what's actually happening. And then it makes sense that Nicodemus is very aware of what's happening to Jesus. He's already heard about the signs and wonders. We hear about it again in chapter 7, which actually happened before yes. what happens in chapter 3. Right. Do you see? It's nonlinear. Yes. But then if you do that, you can actually reconcile all of these verses. It's not contradicting itself whatsoever. It's like when you, it's like when you tell a story. You'll be telling the story, and then, oh, you know what? Well, I need to go back to this, or... Gosh, four days later, I mean, I really need to talk about this. We don't necessarily tell stories 
like in a linear, always in a linear fashion. Yes. If I'm, telling, if I'm yeah. telling my testimony, yes. I typically do, but I might be telling my testimony and something pops into my mind and I'm like, oh, but did I mention this? And then I go backwards for a, a few years where I had gone, I was 21 versus 16 and then yeah, I go back to 30. I mean, that, yeah. we, that's just how we speak. And whoever either wrote it down for it, mm-hmm. for him or himself didn't fix the timeline, if you will. I mean, you know it's a different book. He comes right out and says it right at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, all the other synoptics don't get anywhere near that. It's a very high Christological book. He knows something about this Jesus that the other ones didn't. Because he's seen something that the other ones didn't. John the Baptist was not that light. Jesus Christ in him was the light, and his light was the light of men. What is he talking about? Well, where was Lazarus when he was dead? He wasn't in the light, but he was brought back to the light, because Christ is the light of the world. And where do you learn that? In the Gospel of John. Yes. And to cook your noodle just a tiny bit longer. Okay. In the in verse three, and in verse five, two of the biggest verses that we consider spiritual rebirth, or being born again. But John writes that Jesus says, "Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." That's right. I f- speculation highly here because I'm gonna have to. I have to say, I speculate because I feel that the someone that he's referring to in that moment, in that statement is Lazarus taking his name out of that. Yeah. I mean, and that's fair, but you know, okay. So you also have to remember the time frame here. This is prior to the crucifixion. Yes. This is prior to the burial, the resurrection. Yes. And at the crucifixion Nicodemus comes and helps after the fact and takes his body down. Same day, within minutes of his death, same day before the sun goes down, Nicodemus is there. The, him and Joseph of Arimathea are taking the body down, and then the burial spices for a king are given to him by Nicodemus. Yes. All of this is happening within just a few hours, a few hours from the time that he's been crucified. So Lazarus is there. He's the one that's giving the eyewitness account of all of this stuff. Yes. Lazarus never left. Yes. He's been there the whole time. It's not the Apostle John. No. And don't let that hurt you. Why, oh, why would you let it hurt you? Because you've heard of John the Beloved, and he was the sons of thunder, and so now he, you know, Christ did a work in his heart, and he became loving. Yeah, that's what Christ does to all of us. He takes, and it, we become a work of Jesus' art. That's what happens. And spiritual rebirth is something that happens. You won't, you won't know the kingdom of God. Remember the roundtable when I asked Gary DeMar, I said, are we in the kingdom of God now? Yes. yes. The answer was yes. How do you know? Well— because he's been born again and he believes the word of God. We have been we have a spiritual rebirth. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but we have the ability to see the kingdom of God even today because of our rebirth. We understand it. And we all speak to it. So, I think that it's not a problem that it's not John the apostle. It doesn't bother me. I, I don't know why it bothers some people. It does. Like people get all been out of shape. You know, it's like. Oh, did you get a lot of hate mail for that? Yeah, one? because it could, it messes up the narrative. You have this narrative: the gospel according well, to John is may, the beloved. It messes historically. up the Last Supper mm-hmm. picture. It does because it makes you think that it's John, but John does not have inner access. He doesn't have any of that. John didn't set up the meeting in Jerusalem between Nicodemus and them. There's no way he didn't have any access. John was a fisherman. John worked on the Sea of Galilee. He had nothing to do with the temple other than when it was time to go and do his sacrifice. That's it. Any other time he was working, and probably on Shabbat, you know, on the Sabbath. But he shouldn't have been, but he was, I'm sure, just like Peter and all of them were. But they had these, you know, they they have this narrative that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and they say, you know, this is, was John the Beloved, and but guys, it doesn't work in the text. It just doesn't. I would much rather believe what, what the Bible says than what history says. I just would. I think it's fascinating. I, I just, it doesn't change what I believe about Jesus, what he did is sacrifice his death on the cross, his resurrection. That doesn't change anything, no matter if John Martin the 14th wrote it. I mm-hmm. don't know. It, it To me, it makes sense the way you explain it. Not everything 
that, you know, like we say, not everything, we don't always believe everything that other people say in here, but it's at least worth having the discussion. I mean, we've just gotten so far down church tradition that heaven forbid you challenge the narrative. Yep. Challenging the narrative And is... you have to be born of the Spirit. And right. Jesus Jesus made it very clear. It's like the wind. You don't know. You just don't know. So we live in a time where people can be born of the Spirit. We live in that time. This was not the case prior to. It was after the fact, after Pentecost, when yep. the Spirit came. Yes. That's when it began. And they were baptizing people. And just remember what happened to the John the Baptist disciples. Remember, there were people who had been baptized, but they never received the Holy Spirit, and Paul happens across them. Yes. And then he was like, oh, so they do the laying off hands, and they baptize them in the name of Jesus, and then suddenly they begin to speak in tongues and prophecy and do all these things. They were born of the Spirit. Do you remember that? Yes, but I didn't get in those speaking. I didn't either. I don't have the gift. <laughs> I can speak Spanish. Well, you can speak a tongue then. Okay. There you go. Okay. I can speak German. So you can speak in tongues. Ich habe ein großer Kopf. You have a big, big head. head. <laughs> I can speak in ob a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's where I are can you? speak in pig Latin. Pig Latin. Ob's like ob's like pig Latin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I said dabor. You uh, wabak thrabu daba dabor. That sounds like <laughs> something on Star Wars. It does, kind of. Jawawaki. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how to say Jabberwocky. That was good. So everybody, that was good, man. I hope it. Uh, Maybe we should title this one: "Who wrote the Gospel of John?" Episode four or five, whatever we were. Holy moly, Nicodemus! We yes, it could do that too. Yeah, yeah. Just a continuation. Yeah. You know, I don't see it as I don't know why it's a threat, but it, it makes total sense to me that they hid his, you know, his identity for who he was and what was going on, and the fact that. Everybody, all the disciples, remember, whenever he says that the rocks would cry out if you make them quiet, it wasn't just random people. It was Jesus' disciples that he was talking about. All of the, not 12, but the thousands. All of them. The yes. All of them that were coming. Waving. Yes. But they were there yeah. to see the dead man that had been raised. Yes. So that's why the Gospel of John is telling you all of these things. This is the greatest show on earth. With, yeah. With some hidden elements to it, mm-hmm. that Lazarus is trying to to hide himself, hide names in a way so that the people at their time, yep. it would kind of obscure him. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense, too, when you get it to the end of the Gospel of John, that it, that it actually names James and John, the sons of thunder, in the boat. Yes. And two other disciples— and then you find out that one of those other disciples was the disciple whom Jesus, Jesus loved. loved. I just want to say that it is a crime against humanity that the sons the sons of thunder is not a tag team uh, group, a wrestling group. <laughs> it sounds like a it couple of guys that drive for like Childress Racing or something, you know? Yeah. The days of thunder, son. Sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. Very good, man. Well, I'm glad you glad you all enjoyed it. I enjoyed that study. Thank you, sir. Well, you hope it was a yes, sir. And well, guys, and we'll see you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace out. Bye, y'all. Later. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Mm, 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 Nicodemus. 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 That means I don't have to go to the grocery store. I'm so good at song craft. You are. Well, that's all you do. That's all you do is nothing but songs. How many instruments do you play? Oh, I mean, a lot of them mediocrely. It's not important that I'm particularly good at instruments. What's important is that I know how they should be played, honestly. This is one of those things. Definitely have an ear for it, for sure. Yeah, I know know when somebody has bad guitar technique – and, and I can tell them how to correct it. Well, they're doing things that are more complicated than what I can actually do. I can still 
instruct them how to do that better. Wow. Even though I don't need to be able to play a really fast sweep solo, but I need to be able to know what somebody's doing wrong when they're doing it wrong and be able to instruct them on how to not do that. Awesome. I'm going to have these dogs flown to space. <laughs> they keep going in and out. Just call Elon Musk. I'm sure you put him up there. Yeah, right? He's got the means. Oh, sir, can I borrow a rocket? Oh, what's his name? Cooper? Virgin, the virgin guy. Oh, ah, uh, God. Steve, no. Yeah, I can't remember. He's got that big blonde flo- floopy hair. Fluffy hair, yeah. yeah. He also owns those boats. He yeah. has the adult-only cruises. Oh, is that what he does? Yeah, I didn't know that one. Richard. Is that, is that it, Richard? Richard. <sighs> to Google. To Google. Gosh, just it. You got you got the chills because it is getting cold. You getting cold? I turned the air on. Oh, hot. did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's starting to chill right. down in here. This melts some minds. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh. Uh, yeah, we're Richard Branson. Richard Branson. There it is. Oh, okay. There it is. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I the was virgin. just saying that. You didn't answer when I said oh, Richard. I couldn't think of the last name. I was like Richard something. We ought to take a GoFundMe for David Curtis to get on Virgin and. See the curvature of the earth. You can't go high enough in a plane to see the curvature of the earth. You have well, that, to go higher. Well, that's than what that. Neil Grison, uh, Neil, what's his name? Gosh, you have to DeGrasse go like, Tyson. DeGrasse Tyson. Yes, yeah. you have He's, to go. Yeah, you have to go real high to start seeing the curvature. The earth is big. Oh uh, yeah, I get you, yeah. but you can still see enough. It's of a it. gigantic ball. You might be able to see it a little bit if you're from like the top of one of those planes, but uh. Well, they actually get to space in that rocket when they launch it from a plane and then it rockets up. Oh, do the, they? Do they actually get all the way out of the atmosphere? Does Jeff Bezos' penis rocket get up there? Yes. Yeah, that it's, one's. That no, one's a, I, thought the plane, I thought the plane just kind of skimmed the top of the. Uh, well, it gets to that point. It yeah. has to because then it air breaks itself down. Right. But I'm. I would almost feel that you would be able to see see it. the curvature. Yeah. That's you know what? That's a legit question. How high do you need to be? To see the curvature of the Earth, there's got to be an answer to that question. Did it's that an white, answerable question? Did that white balloon that got shot down in South Carolina? Did that one see the curvature of the Earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, South Carolina. That's right. Yeah, right and, yeah, and we just had a hovercraft land on the beach this week. Yes, it was awesome. That's cool. I wish like I had a military been, hovercraft. Yeah, the or? United States Navy landed on Cherry huh. North Myrtle Beach, Cherry Grove. Resupplied. I don't know what they got. They must have needed a margarita or something. And they went back out to sea. I uh, people were standing there filming it, and this thing's like. It sounded just like that too. It did really. <laughs> did. It was kind of cool. I had a, I had an uncle when I was a kid. He built a uh, a personal hovercraft out of like two vacuum cleaner motors. Oh wow! Downforce in a skirt. You nice. know, it wouldn't like go over hills and stuff, but a single not big person could sit in it, and you could. Push it around and just like float around. Yeah, that's cool. I've he always wanted one of those that. like hovercraft things. I mean, you could just buy the silly things. You could just—they're just—they're dangerous because they don't turn like a car. So you have to be very careful because yeah. the yeah, whole momentum skid. thing will get you. But but you can just buy the things and they look fun. They make racing versions. Oh yeah, that would be cool. That have uh, all right. Like let's road, get Rick out of here. Road, all right, yes. yeah. Let's yeah. Yeah, he's not, not you, Rick. The other yeah, I know. Yeah, he's, Let's get Rick. I'd like them both to leave. He has. <laughs> can I exactly. stay? Exactly. Huh? Yeah, of course you can stay. I can stay. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. How did you yeah. like how I called? How Billy said, you know, Cherry and Serena, and I said the hotties and Tizian. I was like, oh, hey. I'm in the room. <laughs> if you can play this, I'm not allowed to say it, but Tizian is like so fine. Let's just be real, right? <laughs> She's so fine. I'm not just saying it. My wife is going to punch me in the throat when I get home. I'll cut it out. I'll save your. Uh, don't save don't, your- don't cut it out. Leave it in there for her. All right. All oh, right. Yeah. My wife is hot. I have no opinion on that. My wife is crazy hot. I chased after her for a long time. <sighs> your wife is very pretty. She Congratulations. Is. <laughs> Cherry you. is very pretty. And I think Tiziana I'm starting to lose my pretty. mind. I'm getting. I think my temperature is elevating. And can Rick the Third is very pretty. I, I mean, no, I can. I can hear it in your. Oh, that's the dip. I was going to say I can hear it in your voice, but mm. that's the dip. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in too. Go for Go it. Go for hey, it. Hey, you what, right. what, you're suffering. <laughs> Suffer how you'd please. That's right. Blame Lazarus. <laughs>